What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to Speak on the TV. My name is Larry Live, and I thank you all for tuning in. Now, if you enjoyed this kind of content, I need you all to hit that like button and be sure to subscribe in our YouTube channel at Speak on It TV. And also, be sure to visit our website at www.larryliveproductions.com if you are interested in joining our podcast and also if you are interested and our photography services. Now today we are here at Urban Sauce Clothing Store, which is located at 1486 Airways Boulevard here in Memphis, Tennessee, which has some great, fantastic merchandise here, which is black owned by my good friend, Ashley Tipton. She is also known as DJ MCA Tip, the baddest DJ that I have ever seen, in which she did DJ at my wife and I's uh, wedding the best hands down. So y'all make sure y'all come out, show some love and shop at this emerging, excuse me, at this amazing store. And also be sure to visit their website at www.shopurbansauce.com to make online purchases as well. Now, also on behalf of Speak on the TV, I do appreciate Miss uh, DJ MCA Tilt for allowing us Speak on the TV to use this beautiful store to conduct our podcast interview. Now, on that note, we do have a special guest here today. He is a former, excuse me, a former chairman of the Shelby County Commission, and also he is the head of the local NCAA, excuse me, yeah, the local NAACP, and he is currently running for the uh, mayor of Memphis. So please do not go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. You do not want to miss this. Sit tight. We'll be right back. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to Speak On TV. Today we have Mr. Van Turner. He is a former chairman Shelby County Commission. Excuse me. Let me slow down a bit. I'm excited that he's here. I'm getting tongue-tied and all tongue-twisted. He's right. he making me nervous. I'm he is a former chairman of the Shelby County Commission. He is the head of our local NAACP here in Memphis, Tennessee, and also he is currently running for city mayor. Now, Mr. Turner, I appreciate you very much for being here with us. I know you're a very busy man. And I appreciate you taking time out of your day to be here at Speak On It TV. Now, is there anything that you would like to say before we get started? I'm just happy to be here with you. I'm happy to be here with Ms. Tipton and you at Urban Salt. This is right in the heart of the city of Memphis. I think black economic wealth is key <clears throat> as mayor. The mayor is responsible for creating black wealth in the community. If we look at Mayor Jackson in Atlanta, and Marion Barry in D.C., these were black mayors which facilitated and supported black businesses in their communities, and those communities thrived because of their advocacy and their support. So once again, I'm so happy to be here with you at Urban Sauce. Let's get started. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it. Now, so, I know I said enough already during the intro. For those who don't know, the real Mr. Turner. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, sir. I, I was born at St. Joseph's Hospital, which is now St. Jude. I'm 48. I was born on February 1, 1975. Born and raised in Whitehaven. 
I attended Doubletree Montessori Elementary School, which was the first Montessori school here in the city. Then Havenview Junior High School, graduated from Whitehaven High. Met my wife at Havenview Junior High School when we were 14. I asked her to dance with me at homecoming and she turned me down twice. So that was on a Friday. The following Monday at 12 o'clock noon in biology class, October 23rd, 1989, I wrote Tammy another note. I said, Tammy, you turned me down to dance twice. This is your last chance. Drop that zero, get rid of hero. Will you go with me? Circle yes or no. I passed a note to her. She circled yes. And on August the 3rd, 2002, we got married. We've been married for 21 years. And so that was something that is special to me and I hold dear because I met my wife in Whitehaven at 14. I told her she was going to be my wife and I held true to that commitment like I hold true to my commitment to Memphis. Well, no, we appreciate that very much for you holding on to that commitment because, you know, I'm married too, and Lord, marriage is no easy thing. <laughs> but same for the city of Memphis, you know, you know, there's a lot of mixed emotions as far as, you know, crime and everything going on. But, but you know, it takes a strong-willed man to, you know, to, to, to want to stay and take on that position, you know, to, to better our city. And we appreciate you very much for that. Now, now, one day you thought to yourself, I want to sit in the mayor's seat hmm. and take on those responsibilities. Now, as former chairman of the Shelby County Commission, do you feel like that prepared you for, for, uh, for city mayor? Absolutely so. As chair, you have to deal with a multi-billion dollar budget. I did it for eight years. I ran the budget as budget chair and as chair of the commission. So I'm comfortable dealing with multi-million dollar budgets. I'm comfortable with advocating for the community. Businesses come to you, developers come to you, they want what they want, but you have to stand up and fight for the community. You have to stand up and say, yes, we're gonna build up downtown and midtown, that's fine, but we also need to build up Orange Mound. We need to build up North Memphis, South Memphis. We need to build up all the areas that black Memphians enjoy and live in as well, because that's only fair. And so that's why I came back home. After Whitehaven, I attended Morehouse. From Morehouse, I taught English in Japan. From Japan, I attended the University of Tennessee College of Law and could have gone to Atlanta, could have gone to North Carolina or DC or somewhere else, but I decided on Memphis. I chose to come home to Memphis because Memphis is the best city in the world. We have challenges, but we can overcome those challenges together, and we can do it. I know we can do it, and that's why I want to run to, and that's why I'm running to be your next mayor. Now, there's somebody out there right now who's warning to themselves, I don't know anything about Mr. Turner. Why should I vote for Mr. Turner? What would you say to that person? I have a proven track record of getting the tough jobs done. That, that's what I'll say. I, ask, I also ask you to come in and check, check in with Ms. Tipton at Urban Sauce because she's one of my key supporters. I want to make sure she's there with me on, on an inauguration day. and Maybe she can give me a little DJ set. Shout out to the 50th anniversary of hip-hop being started today. But I've 
gotten the tough jobs done. For over 100 years, they said that the Confederate monument of Nathan B. Forrest could never be moved. The Daughters of the Confederacy actually pulled his remains out of Anwood Cemetery and buried his remains at the park underneath his statue to send a message to us, to black people, that this is something that should not be moved. You are forever in the South. The South shall rise again. You will forever be under the thumb of white people. It was white supremacy. And so for years, even as the city changed, even as we got our first black mayor, and all these advances we made in Memphis, we still had to ride up and down Union Avenue and look at that monument of the first grand wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. It was a shame. And so when the opportunity came to take that monument down, I jumped at that opportunity. And on December 20th, 2017, we took down the monument of Nathan B. Forrest, who was a slave trader, who fought in the Confederacy. He was a war crime. He was a, he, he was, he was a criminal at war. When black soldiers had, had thrown the white flag up and had said they surrendered, he still burned them alive and killed them. This is the man that we were honoring here in this city. So it was, it was my honor to take that monument down, and it was something that my father thought would never be done. He grew up in segregated Memphis. He had to drink from colored water fountains. He had to ride on the back of buses in Memphis. He had to eat out the side of restaurants in Memphis. He had to go to the top of the theater to watch a movie. So when I called him and said I took down that white supremacist, I took down the monument of Nathan B. Forrest, he cried, and I cried. It was his birthday, and it was his last birthday. He died six months later. But December 20th, 2017, was one of the greatest presents that I could have given my father on his birthday, and it was a present to Memphis. So to answer your question, I'm not afraid. I'm not bossed. I'm not bought. I will have integrity. I will fight for our people. I will fight for all Memphians. But I will fight for our people in particular because we have been left out of the picture. Our communities have been left out of the funding. And so that's why you want to send Van Turner to the mayor's seat because I'll fight for all Memphians. I'll fight for all neighborhoods. And my stint as a commissioner has well informed me on how to do it, on how to find the money, on how to find and fund the programs that we need funded. So that's why I'm running to be the next mayor. And my service as a commissioner for eight years representing Hickory Hill has served me well. And I think that I can continue getting the tough jobs done as the next mayor of Memphis. We appreciate that. And I know if your father was still alive, I know he'll be very proud of you of everything that you have accomplished. Now, I know the May seat is no small thing. Now, is this something that you've always wanted to do, like deep in your heart, or is it just one of those you thought to yourself, you know, this, I feel like I should be doing this because this is an obligation that I feel like I need to give back and I owe to this city? It's, it's an obligation. Like a pastor is called to the ministry, I'm called to public service. I've actually had the opportunity during my law practice to leave politics and public service and work as an in-house attorney and make way more money than what I'm making. Be in a better position to provide for my wife and my three kids. Live in another neighborhood. Do some of the things that I 
wanted to do, travel and other things. But I turned all that down to give back to the community because when the corporation told me I had to give up public service, I said, well, that's something I can't do. So I turned down the money, I opened up my own law practice, and I, I got into public service because that's where my passion was. I think you have to have integrity, you have to have commitment. It's something that you have to want to do if you want to take on the tough job of being the mayor of Memphis. I've shown the commitment to do it. I think I have the integrity to do it. I think I've been in a position to get the tough jobs done. So I'm asking the citizens of Memphis to put me in as mayor because it is a calling for me. And I think that together we can get the tough job done of turning around Memphis and making it the city we all want it to be. Now the word infrastructure, yeah. when you hear that word, you, automatic, you automatically think potholes. I don't know about everybody else, but I know me. I am sick and tired of dodging these potholes. Yeah. So, like, the question is, what um, do you, what plans do you have on improving our uh, our roads? We're gonna get it done. I mean, there's there are no excuses. The potholes have torn up my cars too. And so, one thing you have to realize is that. The mayor, as a strong mayor, has a bully pulpit. So the, the mayor can take the issue and take the city where he or she needs to take the city or take the issue. I would personally get out, and like other mayors have done, I would personally get out of my office, roll up my sleeves, and fill the potholes in myself next to the team that's doing it. Someone would say, well, why would you do that? because I have to show that I'm committed to getting the tough jobs done. Memphis is not a city that wants the mayor to sit in that ivory tower of City Hall ruling from the seventh floor down. I think, mayor wants to see, I think the city of Memphis wants to see a mayor that's gonna get down and gritty, that's gonna get in the trenches, that's gonna be out here with his workers, out here in the community with his or her sleeves rolled up committed to getting the tough jobs done. So I'm telling you now that I will be out with my team of public services helping to fill these potholes up because when I'm out there, we're going to get that job done and we're going to make sure that these potholes are filled and they're going to see the commitment from the city of Memphis and they're going to especially see it from the city mayor. If I'm mayor, we're going to fill these potholes, we're going to pave these streets, we're going to pick up this trash, and we're going to get that job done, and we're going to fund the department in order that they can do it and do it efficiently and do it effectively. Now, I hear this question all the time from Memphians, especially uh, in regards to uh, where our funds are being done you know, by our city officials. And I think that has created like this lack of trust because people are concerned about what is being done with our funds. So, like, well, for instance, like things like, uh, like, um, like programs for juveniles, neighborhood development, yeah. and things of that nature. Yeah. Uh, can you elaborate on how you will make sure that funds are being appropriated where it needs to be? Mm -hmm. I do it as a sole contracting officer for the city of Memphis. I won't sign off on the budget. 
I won't sign off on a contract unless it puts the community first, unless it puts people first, and unless it put our youth first. See, it, it's, it's a real simple calculation. When you don't invest in our communities and you don't invest in our youth and you don't invest in people, you get what, what you put in it. And look at what Memphis is getting now. We're going to hell in a handbasket because we've cut government back, we've stopped investing in our youth and in our communities and in people, and now we have the city that we have today. We funded building projects, we funded the developers, we funded all of the big pretty buildings downtown and in Midtown, but we haven't supported people. We haven't supported our youth and our neighborhoods. So I won't sign off on a budget unless it's people-centered, community-centered, and people-centered. And that's my commitment to you and to Memphis. It's real easy. People want to overcomplicate things. It's not that hard. I've been there. It's not that hard. If the budget is not supporting the community, we don't need to pass the budget and the mayor doesn't need to sign off on the budget until we get a budget that supports the community. The city of Memphis pulled $40 million from our youth when it stopped funding education. The question I want to ask you and your listeners, how has that done? What, what have been the results? I attended a jamboree last night at Whitehaven. My daughter crying on my shoulder because it's mad chaos. The kids are running all over the place. Three and four fights are breaking out. The officers are having to clear everyone out. And, man, we just wanted to go see a football game. My son plays for East High. They called a game he didn't even play last night. When you take skin out the game, when you remove the funding from our young people, you see the results that we get. I'll restore the funding back to our young people, to our communities, to our neighborhoods, and to people. And if the budget is not doing that, I won't sign off on it, point blank. Another uh, key issue that we've been having, especially in this city, is crime. Now, yeah. the word safety is not really safe anymore. Now, I've had people personally come to me and to say, hey, I can't even walk to my mailbox without having a pistol by my side. And so do you uh, really agree that Memphis really does have a problem with crime? And if so, what do you feel like is, is the root of, of the problem? Mm -hmm. Well, it's poverty, and it's the fact that we've not invested in our youth and in our community for almost two decades. And so that's why we have the results now, and we have to reverse that trend if we are to have a better city and if we are really to address the root cause of crime. Nobody can make a living off $7.50 an hour, the minimum wage for Tennessee. You can't make a living off what we say is a living wage, which is $15 an hour, without working two and three jobs. If parents are working two and three jobs, they can't parent their young people. When our young people are not being parented, the streets are raising them, and they're doing what we don't want them to do. I have a three-pronged strategy for crime. Suppress. We're going to have to get a hold of what's going on now. We're going to have to use our officers more effectively, and we're going to need more officers so that we can get back to community policing. But that's not the only answer. Then we have to work on intervention. I give the example of Craigmont High. The Boys and Girls Club in Craigmont High has a 100% graduation rate for all those young people at Craigmont in the Boys and Girls Club mentoring program. 
For the young people who are not in that mentoring program, 73% graduation rate. So just think about that. 100% when the kids are being mentored, they're being nurtured, they're wraparound services, people are telling these young people that they love them, they care, they give a damn, they want the best out of them. 100% because our youth feel that someone believes in them and they care for them and that makes all the difference in the world as opposed to a 73% graduation rate for those not in that program. And then prevention. Fifth grade reading levels. If our young people are not reading on grade at, at, at the fifth grade, they become truant, they drop out of school, and they do things we don't want them to do. We have to focus in on the fifth grade and make sure our young people are reading. The city has to support that. We have to extend hours at our community centers. We have to beef up our programming. We have to make sure that there are activities, constructive activities for our young people in the summer and throughout the school year. And we have to keep our young people on grade for reading so that they don't become truant and drop out of school. So that's my plan. Suppression, intervention, and prevention. And you'll note two of those two of those points don't have anything to do with locking folks up or having more officers. The root cause of what's going on for, with crime in our community is poverty, and it hasn't been addressed, and the fact that our young people have no hope, they have no options. We got to give them hope, we got to give them options, and we can do it. Now, I don't know uh, about anyone else. I know I always pay attention to stats, and I know you are a stats person too. Yeah. So I want to share some stats with you. So. Now, according to the, the Memphis Shelby County Crime Commission, stats show just from the first three months in 2023 that the overall crime rate rose to 17.4%. Now, your major violent crimes, which consist of things like murder, rape, ag assault, and mm -hmm. such, no rose to 5.4 percent mm -hmm. and your major property crime which consists of things such as your your auto burglaries your theft of motor vehicles your vandalism motor vehicle thefts and etc rose to 42.1 percent now i know you mentioned earlier yeah you know uh, about you planning on combating crime on your <laughs> or your three strategies you just shared mm -hmm. now do you feel like that those three strategies would be effective in combating these stats to, to lower these numbers mm -hmm. yeah the lowest number you mentioned was yes the lowest number you mentioned was that of murders and violent crimes the highest number you mentioned were those of economic crimes so what does that suggest to us that means these folks are doing the crimes for money and they become progressively worse over time in order to get the money. A simple car window breaking in to, to, to score a gun or a purse or a wallet next becomes an auto theft, then it goes to a carjacking, then it becomes murder or robbery, right? And so if the basis of why our young people are starting to break the windows, which is the entry before the carjacking, the theft starts, then economics is the issue. You got to address the root cause of it. Sometimes when I argue with my wife to line it up a bit, mm -hmm. she'll snap at me, <laughs> but it ain't because I left the refrigerator door open or I left 
the juice half in there and you know why you ain't drink all the juice up why you just gonna leave half of it there it's because of something else that's underlying it's a root cause to it and I gotta figure out what the root cause is because me leaving the refrigerator door open is not the root cause of why she's mad our young people commend these crimes is not the root cause of why they're committing the crimes now that's not to say that we don't need to address the issue head on and we will do that but we will also look at the root cause as I mentioned before intervention prevention we have to make sure that our young people have options in addition to showing the tough love that they need because we're going to have to show some tough love and so that means that we have to provide viable means for our young people to earn a living ten years ago they said every child was going to college we know that that was the wrong move all of our young people are not going to college and they don't need to go to college and get all that debt they can get certified in trades they, they can become beauticians and barbers they can open up their shops like what has what Ms. Tipton has done with Urban Sauce and have a viable means of supporting themselves so entrepreneurship should be taught in our schools we need to go back into our technical trades we need to go back into our certifications we need to make sure that when those young people cross their graduation stage they have viable options to make a living for themselves and to provide themselves an income without committing crime and that's where we need to be and so I believe with a comprehensive multifaceted strategy that addresses poverty and the systemic root causes of crime we can effectively take down those numbers which again are numbers high in economic crimes so that means it's the economy and it's poverty that we really have to tackle and address to stop that type of criminal activity and we'll do it under my administration and we can't leave out addressing mental health which is a concerning issue especially after COVID-19 so we'll put those things in play as well but we have to address the economy and we have to give our young people options that's key um, this uh, this issue has has made a lot of you know citizens nervous and it's starting to become more occurring which is uh, active shooting yeah now um, no, especially when it comes to making our children safe. Yeah. Now, this is not a matter of if, but when it will happen. Now, do you think that our schools are prepared to handle, you know, active shooter situations if it was to occur? I think they're getting better prepared. Obviously, we saw the issue at the Jewish school recently here in Memphis. We saw Covenant, the school in Nashville that saw the active shooter so we need to be better prepared but we need to address mental illness and we need to address anybody being able to go to a store and buy an automatic rifle and they don't need that rifle or that gun in their hands so we need to address that as well but to your point i have three kids and they all attend public schools my two sons are at east and my baby girl is at maxine smith which is housed in east my wife is a guidance counselor. She teaches at Peabody Elementary School. So I think about that safety day in and day out. And while we are addressing a more secure school, we also need to address mental illness and the proliferation of guns being so accessible to the community. 
Every time you turn around, the state is passing new gun law. They're lowering the age for when you can have guns. They're taking away the fact that you have to have a permit and be trained to fire a gun. You don't have that any longer. And so these are just isonine rules. It's ludicrous for a city such as Memphis with the gun balance that we have and the state keeps making it easier and easier and easier for our young people and the mentally ill to have firearms. We need to sue. We need to go to federal court. We need to go to Congress. We need to ask the federal government to step in and address those state laws which are going in the wrong direction as well. So to your point, we need to have the best and the safest plan in place. But at the, on the same side of that, on the other side of that, we need to address mental illness and the proliferation of, of, of why it is so easy to, t to get these guns. And these young people have all kinds of guns in the community, and they don't need them. I absolutely agree as well. You know, these gun laws that have been passed, guns are way too accessible, and, and they're starting to fall into the wrong hands who shouldn't have them. Mm -hmm. So I definitely agree with that 100%. Now, another thing I want to talk about is great quality education, which has sparked some, uh, some concerns for parents as well. And how do you plan on overseeing that our children are getting great quality education here in the city of Memphis? In the county, we appointed an education liaison that worked with the schools to make sure that the mayor's eyes in the county was, was squarely placed on what was going on with educating our youth. I'll do the same as Memphis mayor. I'll appoint an education liaison that'll work with our Shelby schools, that'll work with the youth programs, that'll work with the intervention programs and nonprofits, because that has to happen. We cannot remove ourselves from education any longer as a city. The greatest crime fighting tool and apparatus that we have is the education system. How do you make it from point A to point B? How do you have a good life, how do you have income to, to, to support you and your family? Education. And that doesn't necessarily mean going on to college, but it, all, but it, it can mean educating yourself on, on how you become a better and more effective entrepreneur, how you promote your brand, how you market yourself and your business. That's education as well. And so we have to, as a city, dive in to educating our young people. I'll leave you with this example. Take Arlington, Lakeland, Millington, Carrieville, Bartlett, and Germantown. The six suburban cities on the outside of Memphis all support and fund their schools. Memphis is the only city in Shelby County that does not fund its schools. That is ridiculous. It's a shame. We can't ask that our young people do better when we are not doing what we have to do. We'll reverse that trend. We will support K through 12 education. We absolutely have to do it. Well, that's all the questions I have for you, Mr. Turner. I thank you so much for allowing me to speak on the TV to interview you. And of course, I wish you well on your quest to take the seat for the Bayer of Memphis. Now, is there anything else that you would like to say to the audience out there who's listening? I just want to thank you for this opportunity. This race is going to be won block by block, 
neighborhood by neighborhood, community by community. I don't think you're going to be able to, to buy this election. You're not going to be able to talk on TV about being tough on crime, and that's your sole solution to what's going on in the streets in the community. The streets of Memphis, the community of Memphis wants a mayor that cares about them, that has their interests on the forefront of his or her thoughts when they walk into City Hall, and Van Turner is that mayor. I'm asking for your vote. I'm asking for your prayers. I'm asking you to go to bandformemphis.com to check out my website, join this movement, join my team, and help me elect you. This is your seat. This is the seat of the people. I'm just there as your representative executing on what you want me to execute on. And just like I passed that note to Tammy, when she and I were 14 on October 23rd, 1989, asking her to circle yes, I'm going to pass a note to Memphis. I'm going to pass a note to Orange Mound, to Bunker Hill, to Glenview, to Westwood, to North Memphis, Fraser, to South Memphis. I'm going to pass a note to East Memphis, to Midtown and Downtown, and I'm going to ask you to circle yes. On, our, on October 5, 2023, I'm going to ask you to circle yes to Van Turner being your next mayor. So when I pass that note to you on October 5, circle yes to Van Turner being your next mayor. Circle yes to electing you going to that mayor's seat because I am a representative of the people. I will take the people to City Hall. We will fight for these communities. We will fight for these young people. We will turn this city around and we'll do it starting day one of my service as your next mayor of Memphis. Circle yes. Thank you so much. Again, thank you, Mr. Turner. I appreciate you being here. You're here, the ladies and gentlemen. Make sure y'all go out and vote for Mr. Van Turner for uh, mayor of the city of Memphis. He will get the tough jobs done. Again, ladies and gentlemen, we are here at Urban Sauce. Again, I want to thank my good friend, Ashley Tilton, also known as DJ MCA Till, for allowing to speak on the TV for hosting this wonderful interview with Mr. Van Turner at this beautiful store. So y'all make sure y'all come out and y'all shop here at Urban Sauce at 1486 Earl Ways Boulevard. And y'all make sure y'all visit their website at www.shopurbansauce.com. That's all I have, ladies and gentlemen. I thank y'all for watching and listening. Y'all be blessed. <laughs>